People um, are most likely to change their behavior um, at moments where they feel there's a fresh start in their life. It's called a fresh start effect. I feel like almost as a city right now, as the world, we're in one of these windows where we're actually thinking, okay, we, we are willing to change. We're always taught this axiom of think globally, but act locally. And really then, that's what we try to do. We provide things like cycle lanes or recycling, just in terms of local infrastructure. But unless we can get buy-in, unless we get behavioral change with people taking those things up, we haven't really actually won the game. Traditional planning, I think, takes a very economic look at the world. You know, it's people make rational choices, right? It's cost-benefit analysis. So if we make something uh, more time-effective, more cost-effective, people will do it, correct? But I think what, um, what planners today are realizing is this is where behavioral science comes in. Humans um, are not always rational actors. It's the decisions that we have to make a thousand times every day, and so we don't make them based on the, the, the equations, we make them based on our, our habits, our patterns, our routines. And that is where we need to be, be focusing to see sustainable behavior change. Taking it out of the context of the, the infrastructure and the policies and getting down to that level of what do people need to meet their needs and how can we help them see that they can meet their needs in these sustainable ways. One of our alumni, Elaine Trimble, has been doing just this in her neighborhood. She's got together parents and school children and turned them into little citizen scientists where they go out and they collect data on air pollution in their area. And the idea is to try to get people, both the parents and the children, to kind of own that information and understand it, to try to produce better results and more engaged citizens. And we started kind of looking at the data on air quality and trying to get parents to, to, to kind of work with their kids by using this, this, um, this um, kind of digital device. Actually seeing like what the air quality is of the children, what the children are actually breathing on their way back and forth to school. And it was really interesting. They were really curious. They had this kind of, you know, this imagination. And they were then for, for trying to play detective. When I did actually kind of ask, you know, parents who were participating, kind of their thoughts, you know, thinking of it at first, they were a little bit mm, not so sure. But then actually, people were, were quite supportive of it. They were actually quite interested in it themselves. They were kind of like, oh, I might want to take it to work. Or they knew the numbers might be bad, but they really necessarily weren't, you know, they, oh, it's all of London, it's all kind of the same. And they were actually quite surprised what some of the numbers were. And they weren't, but they weren't fearful, but they were definitely saying, okay, we need to do more, we need to make some changes. It's all, again all about giving that the, the power of the, to people to make those decisions, decide if they are going to, how they are going to travel to work, how they are going to travel to school, if they're even going to be taking that journey in the first place. And I think that's a really, really important thing that we have to kind of get a grip on. I think a lot of people would see climate change as, as too big, too global, too much of, you know, what can I possibly do? But then it actually came down to what is the health of your city and what is the actual what are the actual NOx emissions of your city. Then they became much more interested, and for me that's that's kind of where the interest is. I want to um, I want to see kind of change where I can see it in my neighborhood and in my city. For planners, what we need to figure out how to do is to have our broad visions of what sustainability might be and how we can combat climate change together. But we need to align personal incentives with broader visions so we can enable 
people to act locally. Portland, like um, like most U.S. cities and particularly American cities in the West, um, definitely uh, car is king. We've had great success over the last several decades being this transportation leader, seeing huge growth in bike and walking and, and all the things we want to see. And then frankly, we've seen a lot of stagnation in the last five to 10 years. We are not seeing transit ridership grow. We are seeing a decline in bike and walk to work. Um, and we're seeing carbon emissions in our transportation system grow. So these are not the trends we wanna see. And the, you have to ask kind of why are we seeing that? And I think that this is something that is so cutting edge for urbanists and, um, and planners to be thinking about. We have a program called Smart Trips for New Movers. And the idea is that when you move to Portland or you move to a new house within Portland, that's a moment where you're experiencing a fresh start. You're reorienting yourself to your surroundings and your routines. And that, from a social psychology perspective, is a great time to encourage folks to think outside of those current routines. We send out a kind of a welcome packet to folks right when they get into their new house. And when you look at the cohort that has sort of received this information, about an 8% decrease in, in daily drive alone trips. Um, so, so that's showing kind of that great success of capitalizing on that fresh start effect. There are about a million different ways for cities to try to encourage this sort of behavioral change. A lot of cities use disincentives, so you might have the congestion charge of London. Other places use things like nudge, and a nudge would be, for example, um, a leaflet telling you that your road has more people that recycle than the road next to you, so you kind of set up a sense of competition where people try all the time to better each other. But another way of doing this is to actually offer a physical, a financial incentive. We are offering something called a transportation wallet. And the idea of the wallet is it puts in your pocket the means and the opportunities to take a lot of different sustainable mobility options. We realized one of the best times to get people to think, oh, I could get that transportation wallet is when they turn in or go to buy a parking permit. So when they go to buy a parking permit, they get the option of, Buy the parking permit, it's pretty expensive, but buy it. Or you can turn in your parking permit and get this over $700 value transportation wallet for free. A really important uh, part of our climate and transportation work in, in Portland is around uh, social equity and leading with racial equity. And so I think when we talk about um, encouraging behavior change, we also need to absolutely recognize that not everyone has the same ability to change their behavior or the same options. So it's not as simple as making the bad things hard and the good things easy, um, because if communities of color, low-income individuals, people with disabilities and other marginalized groups don't have the same access to those good things, or for example, don't feel safe using some of those good things, don't feel safe walking and biking, um, we need to address those systemic problems as well, while also really focusing on encouraging those with choices to make the choices that are better for everyone. The cities are kind of creating the frameworks, and they do have these options, but people have to use them, and they have to kind of also buy into it. It's an opportunity for, for, for us to, to really put people first, to listen to them about what they need, and to design um, programs, systems, and messages that really meet those needs.